Thank you for tuning in. My name is Nella, and welcome to my podcast, Ethereality. Today's guest is Maria Lupita. She has had two near-death experiences, and I have interviewed her for both of them. You can find them linked in the description below. Her and I are coming together again to talk about some interesting nuances of her NDEs, as well as how this has had an impact on her in the long term. Maria Lupita, thank you so much for being here today. I am looking forward to hearing about your near-death experiences and some other insights that you've picked up along the way. All right. Thank you so much for having me here, Nella. Yes. So start by telling us about your near-death experience. Okay. What I call my full-on near-death experience, I was 27 years old, and this was in the year 2000. And in the year 2000, um, that was the year that my daughter was born, and it actually happened on the day that she was born. Not because of her birth, but because I had such extreme pregnancies, my body could not handle it. It was literally life and death for both myself and the children for both pregnancies, and this was my second birth already. They didn't even want me to have my second child. I had her anyway. So because of such a difficult pregnancy that I had with both, including her, I had a stress test on a Friday. I had an induced labor on Monday because of a scheduled tubal ligation, because I was already admitted in the hospital, I ended up having a reaction to anesthesia through a spinal block. So my heart and my lungs stopped. I spent what I call an eternal eight minutes in heaven, where I had a whole experience was extraordinary and forever changed my life. And so yeah, that eternal eight minutes opened up and forever changed me and my entire frequency because I had not been fulfilling my uh, life purpose, my soul's agreement and why I even came here. So I had that near-death experience to say what I call kicking me back into gear. It was profound. And from it, it opened up an, an entire level of my being. You know, so like I call myself a soul reader. It is really reading the sacred living library is what I call it. Akashic records is what others call it, but it opened up and forever changed my life. So that happened on the June 5th, 2000 with my daughter. And because of that near-death experience, it shook me and it shook me into gear. And so I was reminiscing and remembering a lot of my experiences as a childhood after that. And not only remembering experiences that I had as a child, but then also experiencing like otherworldly experiences in the present. And then having to like reconcile both of these two things. I opened up and followed and pursued and have formal trainings, initiations and apprenticeship in an, an Andean healing tradition. And I formally sought that out uh, only to discover that I also have some bloodline within my own family that anchors me into, I live in New, Mex New Mexico, Nuevo Mexico, here in Santa Fe. And we have a lot of Pueblos and Native tribes. And so my mom's grandmother was Native, and it is thought that she was out of Hopi Zuni. And so I had that, like all that background. And so it awakened all of this deep, I'm going to call it a cellular memory, a soul memory of so many things. And so I pursued that and pursuing that it opened me up and I pursued that because I was already having experiences um, with, you know, sensing and feeling people on the other side and being able to know things about people that I should not know 
And I would find myself having these profound experiences of, of helping people understand their soul and what was happening to them. And I was working full time. I had two kids. You know, I had a, a husband. I had the, you know, the house. I'm trying to follow tradition here. You know, I didn't want any of this stuff. But the more that I really sought myself and like began to pursue the things that interested me, oh my God, it opened up into a whole other world. While still working full time and raising my two kids, you know, I was getting phone calls from people like across the country saying, well, you know, so-and-so knows you and they had this conversation and, you know, is it okay if I talk to you? And it developed entirely on its own. I didn't intend it. Because of the near-death experience that I had, and I, my name is Maria Guadalupe, short name is Lupita. Those that are closest to me call me Lupita. That's what I was called my whole life. But I have a connection to the Blessed Mother because my mom had a difficult pregnancy with me. She promised that if I was healthy and strong, that she would name me after her. And so my entire life, I've had a devotion, devotion and a dedication to Our Lady of Guadalupe. Well, here in northern New Mexico, there is a deep tradition in Latin, you know, Catholic and a devotion to the Blessed Mother as well as Our Lady of Guadalupe. And I'm named after her. I had experience when I was three and a half, almost four years old while in Mexico. And so being in the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe and seeing what's called the Tilma there, I've always had this deep, deep, I'm going to call it an imprint and a connection, a relationship with her ever since I was, again, three and a half, four years old, because we were there for about six months. And so we came back when I was about four. I also had some experiences of being there in the pyramids of Teotihuacan. So those pyramids are very similar to Egyptian pyramids. And while I was there at only, again, almost four years old, my mama was telling me that, and they have 38 millimeter recordings of me running through and pointing at, you know, pyramids and what she told me, because it's silent, you know, in the 38 millimeter. And I was asking her, well, as an adult, like, what, what was I saying there? And she says, oh, you don't remember? And I'm like, mm, I was young. And she said that I was telling her, mira mama, ahí está el templo del sol, meaning, look, there's the temple of the sun. I had a memory as a child of being in that place. And it was like they were on a tour, you know, because they were there as tourists and with people that lived there locally that was, you know, taking us on this journey, not like a formal tour, like a touristy thing. But there I was at almost four years old, having all of this memory and of Quetzalcoatl and all of this stuff that's out there. And it has to do with even ancient peoples upon the planet, ancient Mayan cultures, Aztecan cultures that are thought to be, you know, tied to the stars, that they uh, originate from, you know, the star people and where did they go? And even, even before them, the Olmecs. And then this dedication of Our Lady of Guadalupe. My mom was very aware and she would always talk to us kids publicly and not, not publicly, but openly is what I mean, um, because she was not really fully public, but she always had an awareness of uh, in her entire life of having these connections with like other beings, star beings, and even feeling like she was taken out of her room and she would share these stories with us. And even as a child, this is what I was trying to reconcile after my NDE is that I had some experiences that I didn't understand. And after my NDE is what really propelled me into understanding what the heck am I? 
what am I remembering? What is all of this experience? And I learned how to, what I call actively work with my NDE. When I had my NDE, while I was on the other side in my infinite eight minutes in heaven, was working with soul groups and a council in my preparation of my return to come back into my life. And it was as though I was living portions of my life as though I was already back, you know, incarnate. And, you know, having these workings, a preparation and a soul mission. So you got to rehearse your future? Yes. Mm. Yes. Because this soul purpose that I have, I have, and I am not no longer afraid to say is that I remember who I am. I know where I'm from. I know what I'm here to do. I can say that now. You know, but it took a lot of courage for me to really dive into it because once I came back from my NDE, it took a lot of unwinding, unbinding, undoing, rewinding of all of this creation that I had already made in a 3D material world with 5D energy. And so I had to destruct the many things that I had been building, which was the you know, everything that society wants, you know, having a career, having a family, having the two kids, you know, so that was the direction I was going. So when I returned, I had to understand a whole heck of a lot. So I had like preparation for my return because I feel like my deepest soul's purpose and mission truly is to help uplift and shift people on this planet, to talk about my experience to help people understand that there is so much more of what we are and what we're capable of. And truly that I understand that I, as a soul, I have been incarnate on this planet multiple times over many, many lifetimes, even pre-Atlantean times to help harness and guide and mold how this earth will evolve. And I am here to actually be part of that but where my upbringing and everything that I'm brought into and the soul imprints that are put upon me at the moment of birth. And I was three weeks late, did not want to be born. So even in that moment, I had a pre-birth experience. Oh, in my NDE of seeing myself not wanting to be here because of how hard it was going to be, the things I had to endure, you know, all the, the potentials and I was making the decision. So three weeks late, Hence my name, hence the connection. It's all connected. It's a big setup of our soul. It's like this most grand play that we are so excited to be here for. So because I was not doing what I said I was going to do, I went er, in a whole other different direction. You know, and I was suppressing all of this stuff that had already happened as a child. This knowings and this, this wisdom that my mom was conveying, I was rejecting all of it. So in that NDE, they're like, okay, you're going to go back and this is what you're going to go up. So we, we have those pre-lifetime experiences on the other side. I just got an interruption. I was midlife and got to go to the other side and got to be like we are before we're born. We do this before we're born. We have this play. We work with different souls and say, okay, this is your role. This is my role. This is what we're going to do. This is what my soul agreement is. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. But don't forget, if I'm going to be that hard role this time, you know, we play it all out. We have soul families and soul groups. We, we set this up like this big grand thing. And it's never happened on the level that it's happening right now. You said that it's all connected. When I think about the connections of everything, I think about oh, yeah. the flower of life. 
how it is really just a big combination of, of all these different circles, all these different connections and this geometric, beautiful image. I mean, and it starts with the Vesica Piscis, right? Like the, the two circles and then it just multiplies from there. And then there's all these connections and it equals the flower of life. <laughs> And that our souls are created in that same way. Oh, I said souls. Wow. Cells. Cells. Our physical <laughs> cells, you know, but it's interesting. So this is, so like, I know when I say, what am I here to do? Like, I really do feel that we carry starfire inside of us from my NDE. I understood that I didn't go through a tunnel. It was for me, it was a pinpoint of light where the whole room went white. And what I understood in this working with it is that that's a portal. Our own heart center, when we are connected, that tunnel, that place, it's it's a portal that we hold. It's an access point and that we are all interconnected in all of those loops. We had the capacity to see ourselves in geometry, in, in, in the form of light and sound. That's what we would see. All of these intrinsic, interconnected circles and loops but they're not just one dimensional or, or two dimensional. They're three dimensional, fifth, five dimensional. They extend, they, they're, and they were moving and everything is in motion. There is a divine order to things. You know, we suffer when we resist our place in it. And when we don't understand what we are, and that's by design and purpose, our whole world has been built so that we will not discover what we are. So there are very, very few of us where like, this is the first time where I'm, a, I'm not afraid to say that I know who I am. I remember where I'm from. I know what I'm here to do. And this world is amazing and incredible. I can say that because of the second experience that I had, which was, I call this 5D healing. And I love that too, because, well, I don't want to jump too far ahead. <laughs> so mm -hmm. how about you share about your second near-death experience? Okay. So through all of this progression, okay, and all of this healing and understanding and acclimating and integrating and becoming and all of this stuff, by this time, you know, this happened in 2022. This was a year and a half ago, October 3rd. And I myself had a spontaneous coronary artery dissection. It's called a SCAD heart attack. It happens primarily within women. Uh, usually it has to do with hormones as well. Um, and especially, you know, premenopausal or menopausal women, which I'm right in that age, I'm 50 years old this year, but it also has a lot to do with stress and a lot of other things. So by this time, just nine months prior, my own brother, my, my most beautiful, dearest brother, older brother, Sebastian, he passed away from a massive heart attack. Two years before him, my father, two years before him, my mother. So I am now the oldest, I'm the matriarch in my family. And needless to say, it was, I do this for a living, you know, and I'm still in pain and my heart is broken and think of the language, neuro-linguistic programming, you know, so I was in a devastated place. I had a heart attack where we live in, in Santa Fe. I actually live outside of the city. I live in the city and the county of Santa Fe. Again, no coincidences. We live in the very end of a mountain range called the Sangre de Cristo Mountains, which is the blood of Christ mountains. The name of Santa Fe translates to city of holy faith, having it double in the county of Santa Fe. So there I am in, have in, in our mountain where we live. My sister, thank God, was really close because it's family property. 
We live about 20 miles, I mean, 20 minutes outside of town. It would have taken about a half hour for an ambulance to get there where my sister was only five minutes away. So I uh, realized what was happening through uh, the assistance of a friend. My sister drove me in and I was having all the symptoms and it's very, very, very different for women. I really can't emphasize that enough is that the way that a heart attack presents, presents for women is oftentimes very different because for me, it felt like it was underneath my sternum as though it was in my stomach rather than having a, an upper uh, heart fit sensation. I did have things within my arm. I did have other sensations and it's so much to describe and explain, but coming to understand that this is super important may it help another a woman out there that may we be aware and familiar of it. So luckily I had an incredible emergency room doctor that was able to diagnose it. So what that meant is that I have a flap within the artery kind of flaps. So I was having issues with blood flow and that's what created the heart attack. While I was there though, with my sister, my sister is an, a profound spiritual individual where she's able to connect into this frequency when she prays. She's able to harness energy in a way that is absolutely so beautiful. And when she prays, you feel it. So there's an energy frequency that flows through her. And through her guidance, she actually sought after and got like, you know, some official training. But from her connection to me and the desire to help me, she was cradling my head. She began to do a lot of energy work with me. While I was there, all of a sudden, there was like this fifth density energy with these beings that while I was there in the emergency room with her, feeling all of this energy, I felt an entire shift within my being. It was as though I was straddling within two places. I've only felt that one other time before, and that was when I felt like I was being pulled into, not lifting, but like kind of opening up into this portal energy from my NDE. It was like this energy around, like in a bubble, and we were in the emergency room. We were awaiting admission. In that space, I began to see these golden, effervescent bubbles, all those bubbles and circles that you're describing, but they had dimension. And in that field, they began to coalesce and come together. It began to form like an entire being that was like coalesced with energy in this golden energy and frequency. It was like what I understand that would be considered to be like mana, prana, life force energy. And it was like an opening of, and I could see like this technology in a way that is indescribable, that is barely even touched upon in some of our movies. And I could see my physical body like pulled up what looked like on a screen, but it was explained to me that it was my being, that it was the energetic code of my being that they were actively working with in present time, making manipulations, and that it was not as like working with the physical, they were working with the code before the physical. And so they were doing all of these incredible things in this imagery in my mind, and everything is in the mind. I could see it in the physical like this, this blurry, but it's very, very difficult to explain because that's a place I straddle. Because we only see four to 6% of the entire energy spectrum, because of where I straddle, I have the ability to see in energy forms. 
be able to see in this imagery that is like a transparency. So like if we can imagine an old anatomy book where there was like the, the skeletal system and then the muscular system and then the, you know, all of these different systems, then I was able to see like a transparency on it, this other code, this other energetic system. And so that's what they were working with. And so it was being manipulated and modulated and worked with so that as it would stream into me, because we have this feeling that we start here and emanate outwards, but we don't, we actually stream in this way. So this code was like coming into me and making all these adjustments because of my first near-death experience after this massive, huge experience, all of the the tests and everything began to like reverse. They began to indicate something entirely different. And while I was waiting for this scan, I had this experience in present time because I do still have apparitions of the Blessed Mother since my first experience. And as a matter of fact, even since a child. So that she remains, there is an energy on the planet that is this divine energy. So I, I have had my whole life apparitions of her and it only amplified in this connection after the NDE because of what I experienced in it. And so this was similar in that. So the difference is that I did not have to traverse into this other frequency that is so opposite of what I experienced almost 23 and a half years ago, that instead I was able to experience it in present real time, superimposed right with me because of so much that I, I mean, I worked with it for 24 years. I, by that time, I worked with it for 22 and a half years. So working with my energy, my frequency, connecting all of these things allowed me that, that experience. And I will call it a near-death experience, but I didn't have to travel to a place to experience it. And that's what we are all capable of. And that's meant to happen here. That's definitely one thing that I had noticed after doing your first interview about your first near-death experience and then interviewing you a second time about the second experience was that the first one, you you left your body and you traveled and you had this ethereal experience. And then the second one, it was as if because that door was already opened, you didn't need to go anywhere in order to experience that spiritual, ethereal 5D sort of healing and interaction with the other side. That is absolutely what happened. And then it opened me up. I have I have chills even as we're talking about this. Like this this electrified wave running through me right in this moment because it was an entire difference in these frequencies. And and like so much of what I had been experiencing before that all clicked into place. Like understanding, oh my God, this is this frequency that's now available on the planet. If enough souls have the capacity to tap into it, like we all have the ability. I'm not special. You know, I, I, I'm not. I have like these experiences, but everybody is capable of doing this. And this is what we're meant to be. We are all meant to be this. We're meant to be a whole other 
human. Like the greatest evolution on the planet is happening right at this time. And people that are like awakening spontaneously, but yet they have no like awareness of fully everything that is happening because so much information and knowledge is so, so suppressed. Had we been guided, you know, so there are some that are, you know, that, that are, that, but it's happening more exponentially. There's so much more that this planet really is. So we've only been able to get to a certain level. There's going to be so much more, not only just what I call soul technology, but technology itself. Everything so far is tied to value and worth. If I'm worthy enough, I might have this good experience. If I do this right, maybe I can. But it's actually like there's a technology that we can actually tap into. That if we learned it and learned how to work with it and feelings and emotions are messages, they're impulses, communication from the soul. If we understood all that, what that is, but we get caught up in it. And then there's so much in our world that hooks us into it. So in all that distraction. So we are so much more. So I know that the first NDE was to kick me back into gear. I had this awareness that I was working with myself through my meditations, that we all straddle both here and there. That's why we call it our higher self. You know, we are eternal. We actually do connect and the greater portion of us is already safely there. It's just a portion of our awareness that's here, having this experience. You know, that's why they say like, oh, this is a hologram. Well, it's very real while we're here. You know, it's very, very real, very tangible, very much in the material world. But we project into it, engage in it, but we survive it. Our consciousness survives it and all that we experience remains. And that's what I called it the sacred living library, not understanding and not, you know, practicing or following anything and only to come to understand of like, oh, that's the ethers. And then I would be like, you know, somebody asked, are you an Akashic record reader? And I'd be like, no. And I was like, wait, hold on. So I looked up the word Akasha and it means ethers. <laughs> and I'm like, we are all connected into the ethers and we are all meant to tap into it. So we are what I call all connected into the conscious net, just like we have an internet. I feel like I want to challenge that a little bit. I mean, me. you did say that we're all capable. I know that we're all capable, right? Mm -hmm. And you said you're not special, you know, and I've heard a lot of near-death experiencers emphasize, you know, I'm nothing special, but I do feel like when you have a near-death experience and you go to the other side and you come back, that door to that realm is a little wider than it was before. And that individual in comparison to people who've never had a near-death experience. I feel like somebody who has a near-death experience, children who are very close to source, to God, and elderly, once they shift into that authentic, close connectivity to God, you know, when they're transitioning or something that those, I feel like those are the circumstances in which that portal would be wider. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And I guess I say that because we all have the capability to access it. But yeah, you're absolutely right. And I did not ask for that. I did not want it. It was so, so traumatic. And now, fortunately, people are capable of having these spiritually transformative experiences without having to experience a death trauma, especially with the involvement of psychedelics and some other things, you know, but you're right. For me, that would not have happened had I not had my NDE. 
Yes, exactly. And I also do believe that there are people who could potentially choose a life path, like plan a life path that doesn't involve awakening. Absolutely correct. Right. So I think that maybe it's not necessarily that we all have this or we all can or will. I think that there are definitely going to be some people that never will. They're, they will go their entire lives, even if they're bombarded with data that could spark an awakening, that they may just not ever do that. And that just might be part of their life path as well. You're absolutely correct. You know, because anything and everything that we can experience is being experienced. And if every single one of us, I mean, Ultimately, you know, that soul will eventually get to that path because it's like, you know, being in an amusement park with a roller coaster, you know, and riding it as many times as we can and want to. And then pretty soon we kind of get sick of it. And then pretty soon we're like, okay, I think I'm done. Eventually, right? It's kind of that same kind of thing. It's an adventure of an eternal soul. This is a parenthesis in time, you know, and that as a soul, we want to experience it all. And that absolutely includes all the entire spectrum. And you're absolutely correct. And and there are those that will deliberately choose the exact opposite because we live in that world of duality, you know, in order for one to exist, it's equal and it's opposite also has to exist. It just does. That's the law of the physics in this realm, you know? So those very few that kind of like gravitate towards it, you know, and everybody is on their path of awakening into whatever layer or not, you know? So those that tend to gravitate towards this, they're in a particular, I don't know, it's interesting. I don't want to make an assumption of what would draw people here, but they tend to be a little bit more open-minded for the exploration and the possibility. And that's what I love about this is that it opens up avenues of discussion And then also for those that it doesn't resonate with, leave it behind. Mm -hmm. Just having these conversations is a service to others. And the fact that this information is accessible on YouTube, on podcast platforms, on social media, the internet, blog posts, everywhere, this information is accessible. And the more we talk about it, the more it draws in those that are on a path of awakening. And I think that's amazing. Also, I did want to talk about the fact that your near-death experience, the second one, was essentially the 5D manifesting in the 3D, right? And we were talking about that shift in that Schumann resonance. I remember, I think it was June or July in 2023 recently that we started seeing that Schumann that resonance graph everywhere. As far as I know, that was a, a shot of a, a momentary energy burst, I guess. And mm-hmm. that since then, it has not been as geometric. Yeah, it was like a basket weave. And it was like all this coherence in this frequency. Mm-hmm. I've done a little research on the Schumann resonance and the the wavelengths that are being measured, the frequencies that are being measured are comparable to alpha waves in the mm-hmm. human mind. 
And alpha waves are very relaxed and creative brain wavelengths, but they're also very low on the spectrum of frequency. And it's like this concentration of energy in that frequency to like help raise it and kind of like work it. It's like that's an entry point. Uh, that's what I'm kind of getting in the moment. If like that's an entry point at that lowest frequency in like an access. I don't know. It just feels like something super powerful about that and then amplifying it through. Like you're giving the the evidence and the discussions of what's coming up about like these words that I've been saying before is that there's this increase of solar energy that's amplifying the magnetic energy inside of the core of the earth. And because that's being activated and energized, that that's the heartbeat of the earth. And so there's this increased amplification from the inner earth plane. And so that's happening both cosmically, that's awakening like this heart center of the earth. And we're in extension, like a, a like a living organism and in consciousness upon that planet, upon our planet, so that we're in that frequency. So I've been saying is like, there is a new frequency that's available upon the planet that if we know how to access it, it begins to awaken like it, these dormant codes. So like doing work in the sun, what does that even mean? Going outside and breathing, putting your hand on your heart, just asking for calmness and clarity, you know, doing some kind of meditative work, but allowing it to come through. How would you go about tapping into this new available frequency? So every single one of us, you know, we have this inner part of ourselves and it's an inner communication, whether it's, it's this inner self and inner being. It is that part of ourselves that we have to tap into and access. The majority of us are all thinking like, I would be great if everybody else was better. If they would do this, if they would stop doing this, then I would be good. But instead, it's like having to go inside and then to calm the mind. The most important thing that is the number one distraction is the mind. The mind is meant to be a tool to help us to access all of that, to, to go in. That's why meditation is so important. You know, breathing work. And I do like active meditations. So cleaning my house is a meditation. It kind of puts me in this place. Athletes access it. Now you said something so beautiful is that to open up creativity, this energy that's amplified, right? Is that it's to give a, a, a new taste of this frequency where we can all begin to have that creativity. That is the life force energy that helps us to, oh my God, that's the, that is the field of creation. So when people are able to be more creative, we can find and have solutions. It opens up a whole new world. So we tap into it by learning how to self-manage learning how to modulate ourselves. It's beyond mindfulness. You know, mindfulness is super important in having like these moments of having presence. But knowing that I'm not okay is not enough. Okay, I'm mindful that right now I don't feel good. So when we're able to be mindful, present and aware, then we can reach and tap into something more, which is, oh, I can reach for a better feeling thought. I could do something that feels better. Maybe I'll go for a run. 
I'll call a friend. I'll watch a funny movie. I'll get out for a while. I'll get out of my head for a while. And then that shifts our mood. So our mood, our attitude, our emotions are all indicators of what frequency we're in. When we can elevate our mood, get into a better attitude, you know, begin to start feeling something better, we're tapping into a different frequency. So there is nothing more important in this world than our feeling connected, grounded, and in service. So this is not a selfish thing. Well, people will say, well, that sounds really selfish if all you're doing is making yourself feel better. Well, no, it's taking responsibility for how we feel because then we don't contribute to this you know, emotional pollution of the planet. Energetic parasites thrive on our energy and it is like pollution. They want that. Is that another way of saying like malicious entities or demons? Correct. Demons, malicious entities. Oh yes, absolutely. All Energetic parasites. I haven't, I haven't heard that one yet. I like it. Well, I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't like them. <laughs> but, but the term. Yes. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Because we all have it. We do not pay attention enough to our energy. And it's more than just, ooh, let me get into good energy. It's like, no, what am I carrying in my head? Because here's the thing. Our thoughts are not private. We are all connected, again, in that consciousness, right? Mm -hmm. That this is why we have the ability of like just thinking of someone and all of a sudden they text or they call, you know, that there is this energy from a distance, okay? So Einstein's spooky action at a distance you know, which is all of these two particles that are tied together. There's a, so much more. Quantum physics is a layer of this energy because what we actually do can instantaneously affect. And what we do not understand is that when I call it the sacred living library, in my mind's eye, it looks like this ocean that is like throughout the entire universe. And every single thing in it has a strand energetically to everything else. And if you can imagine this most intrinsic, incredible web that extends throughout the entire universe, our realm is as dense as the ocean. The only difference is that our element is the air. Now, every single person would not be able to to debunk this is that every single possible stream of frequency, radio, AM, FM, XM, internet, you know, cellular, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, all of these signals, we have microwaves, you know, we have signals pinging through satellites. It is the most dense, you know, energy around us where all these streaming signals, all we need is the correct device to tap into it. Now, with that Schumann resonance, that love frequency that's beating from the earth in that alpha wave is a new frequency. We are the instrument. We got to learn what station am I tuning to? What is cluttered in my head and what am I at in my heart? We know where we are by where we, how we feel. So if I can get into a place where I feel good, then I'm tapping into that frequency. And if the more of us that are doing it, that's what the golden age is. The golden age is only having enough souls tapped in, tuned in, turned on, active, in service, in whatever way that looks to them, and do it. It, it sounds so simple, right? <laughs> right. I had a Christian upbringing. 
And so when I think of the golden age, I think of the a thousand years of peace after the return of Jesus the second time. And that is following the end times or revelation prophecies. So would you think that it's possible that things have to get really, really messy before they get clean? Yes. And it's happening now. And it's happening at layers and levels that some of us aren't even aware of, you know? So yeah, and, and, it, and it does because in order for that world of duality, so right now there is this big battle in these energy realms that are far beyond what we can even begin to comprehend ourselves, that there are indeed, like I am going to say, like a war for our souls. We are powerhouses of energy. We have portals of starlight, you know, that actually is like a, a, a nuclear house within ourselves. I interviewed somebody who called it the God spark. I liked that too. Yeah, the God spark. That's what I call it, actually. Oh, wait, My- that's you then. I was, I read you about it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I love it. Yeah. And it is. It's the God spark. That's what I call it. I was like, wow, there's another one out there. And I'm like, wait, that might be me. Yeah, that was probably you. <laughs> but I love it, though. Because and then for for those and they say, oh, the God spark, if the God is the deterrent of the word, then I say it, it is your life spark, mm. you know, because those two things are yeah. exactly the same Language thing. is a big hang up for a lot of people. Huge. And that's why I love, you know, and, and, and understand neurolinguistics, because what we say matters. That's why they call it spelling. You know, I like to say that what the words that we put out there, are like casting spells, and mm-hmm. we don't even, we're not even aware of it. So it's like having that responsibility, you know, because, wow, we we are incredible. So imagine, and again, in that emotional pollution, and some places are even more dense, just like we would drop into the ocean, you know, the further down we go, the heavier the pressure is. When we go into places that are highly concentrated with people, souls, you know, that it would be considered like one of those concentrated deep energies. So there's a grid of energy that we're all attuned to. And it is like a smog. That's why people are like, oh, I can't wait to get out of the city. You know, I I need to get out and to get some fresh air. You know, that's a thing. And it's just, it's beyond just the the buildings and the cars. You know, it- it, Yeah, it it definitely is. Because I went to Vegas and I was sober the whole time. I did not go- party. I just wanted to go see the lights, see the attractions, do the touristy stuff. I was actually surprised. I did not like it. I energetically did not like it. And I would not recommend to anyone if you are going to Vegas and aren't planning on participating in the nightlife, just don't go. Just don't go at all. (laughs) Because you have to lower your vibration in order to interact in a way that doesn't feel like a conflict energetically. And that's exactly what it is. And I know because I did my I did the exact same thing is that I had to go for a a conference. And that was the very, very last time that I went. And I thought, oh, this is going to be fun. You know, and I ended up taking my husband and my kids. And it was like the worst decision I'd made because I'm like, oh, my God, it was the energy of it. Because I was already in that place of understanding frequencies. And I think that was one of the things that probably propelled me to understand like, oh, wow, concentrated, dense energies. And especially when there's like a heavy, purposeful underseed, I don't recommend anybody to go and search because the moment we get hooked, we pull it in, it utilizes our thoughts. 
So here's how it works. And this is even why like in the, in this whole movement of like the movements, like if people are like you, if you're not up in arms about this, then you don't care, you know, and then people feel like this peer pressure to engage in it, but engaging in it only activates it. Even if you are in opposition of it, you're still in it. And you're giving it all your energy. Mother you know, Teresa so- said, you'll never see me at an anti-war rally, but if you have a peace rally, I'll be there. Absolutely. Because what is the difference? When people are in opposition, they're angered. And this is also they're one of They're feeding those- it, the energy. Exactly. That's what I was just about to say. <laughs> the- and so if they can imagine people who engage in that way that are up in arms about certain things, they're agitating you on purpose and you're their food source. So for their energy supply, their their Mm -hmm. energy supply. So instead, what is it that you want instead? So if you want that peace instead, then put all of your energy into what that peace feels like. Begin to engage in things that feel peaceful. Begin to do things in service to others that activate that sense of peace inside. And then once you are being it, then none of that other stuff will even be part of your experience. And then you'll have so much peace, but people don't understand that. They feel that because we don't, we're not taught how it actually works. So yeah, there's a, that's how we're able to tap into it, be able to learn how to connect and listen to those frequencies. And the more we acknowledge it, then we're going to start seeing the fun stuff synchronicities, coincidences, messages, signs, wonders, you know, things that are just like, oh my God, that thing happened. Did you see that? You know, there's like this energy that you begin to tap into that where like the universe begins to like reveal like this, this most miraculous, like miracles that happen every day, like truly like incredible things. That's hard to describe, but you know, seeing signs and messages all the time. And that's even in the Bible where they say like, until you see signs and wonders, you will never see. So like, may we open up our soul eyes beyond just our physical eyes. Cause we only see 6% of what's out there. You know, we have all this other 94% of energy that does not make it less real. Just because I can't see an ultraviolet doesn't mean that pollen doesn't actually give light in ultraviolet. If you can imagine butterflies capable of seeing pollen and flowers in ultraviolet. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Like I wish I had butterfly eyes, right? So, and even other species are capable of seeing an infrared, you know, seeing heat signatures. Now my human eyes can't see it, but who? Theirs does. So who am I to say? There is so much more out there that our eyes cannot perceive. And just because we cannot see it, we can feel it. And that's what extra sensory perception is. So when people are able to relax their senses, open up into possibility, they can begin to navigate this whole other energetic world. And that's how they tap into like this what I say, I straddle in these places that they're actually, it's a frequency. It's like these energies that I have access to because of it. 
Mine was just kind of abruptly and violently done where others can build into it gradually. <laughs> I recognize now when I say I know who I am, remember where I'm from, know what I'm here to do. My mom was very open talking about having experiences. I remember her reading a book when I was a teenager and it was called Starborn. I believe it was written in the 1970s. And she was exploring these inner knowings and feelings that she had about being a star being, having these contacts, having these awarenesses. And we have a video clip of her where she was narrating those 38 millimeter videos and um, film that I was telling you about. My brother converted it digitally and had my mother and father narrate it. And at the very end, she's like, and after I'm gone, which she's gone, she says, you will find me in Orion. Like so nonchalantly, like just a knowing. Only after, you know, after my NDE in 2013, so this was 13 years after my near-death experience, I was uh, getting certific certification at the Hypnotherapy Academy of America. And there were people from all over the world. There was about 43 of us in my class. And there was only, you know, five of us that were from the state. And everywhere else was, everyone else was from another part of the country or another country. And I understood then that that's when I was introduced to Dolores Cannon. And that was introduced to me because of an experience that I had from a regression session. And we got to ask the question for ourselves is what is the lifetime that is most impacting this lifetime? And I was the very, very last person in my group. It's basically guiding the individual to see, okay, now look at your body. What do you look like? What are you wearing? Well, I wasn't wearing clothes and there was like this lightish bluish glow around me. And it made no sense because it felt like I was in this tube of some kind. And they said, okay, well, fast forward. What is the next most important scene? And I happened to see this open window in this darkened, vast space and to see the earth from a distance. When I saw the earth from a distance, I said something like, like, oh, I just love the people. And everything that was coming out of my mouth was I was a very tall being about uh, 12 to 14 feet tall that I would was on the planet for about 300 years that it was like pre-Atlantean times it was like a pre-historic you know <laughs> not early history and it was pre-Egyptian history and that it was that we loved the people it was teaching the people and I would oscillate or go between an arid space and a very humid space. There was a particular thing that I would hold, you know, that where it would like feel like I would deatomize. And all of this was in this regression session and so vivid and real, but I had not yet it allowed myself and hadn't even explored any of this because I was barely making sense of, you know, connecting with loved ones and the other stuff. I wanted a tool to help people deal with trauma. This was part of the, the, the training of the academy. And this is what was happening. This is what came out of my session. You know, I was a very, 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 very light, lightish. When I say blue, people would imagine like this kind of like extreme. No, ever so subtle, like the, the, the slightest hue, but tall. And I just loved the people was there. And I could, the most important thing, I said something like that it was, I was here for the alignment and that the alignment had already occurred, had already begun. 
And what I saw was multiple planets and like something with the galaxy. And I didn't even know what the heck I was talking about. So all of this stuff was popping out and only to realize afterwards that we were coming up on, you know, the galactic center, you know, alignment. And that it's literally like we're done with this, what they call the darkened age, where it takes 26,000 years, you know, for, for our planet to fully traverse one. And that that's what the golden age is for us. Like these things I haven't talked about. Like this is the first time I've actually really talked about it in depth. And then understanding that the experience that I had when I was three years old in Mexico with the pyramids, that was part of that ancient knowing and culture all the way back then. So there is something that is so much more upon our planet. And when they talk about awakening star seeds, that's happening. And there's a truth. Mm -hmm. Well, that that comes back to all everything is connected to everything is connected. Everything is connected. And then the understanding of people would be like, well, how is that even possible? Well, then we go into time and, you know, all of that stuff. But yeah, we are, this is an incredible time. And souls are here to experience everything. So that experience during your past life regression, and you said that you were this other being, was that a other dimensional being? I felt like a physical being that was on the planet incarnate and living to help humans. So when we're talking about like the discovery of when I found Dolores Cannon's book, I cried when I first read that book because it is described everything is that in order for us to bring in this paradise thousand age utopia utopia that it can only be done from the inside meaning that enough souls had to be awakened enough to be able to harness and begin to usher that in and so there were there's like this sos upon the planet where the souls were not awakening were not arriving or achieving a particular level There is also a suppression when I talk about those energetic parasites, you know, these other, even demonic, satanic, all these other entities, that's all part of all of this. But if enough souls are able to incarnate what they're calling star seeds emanating from other star systems, and so many have been part of the evolution of the planet, which I've discovered, and that others that are fairly new to the planet So there is like this ushering in of souls from other systems that are capable of hopefully remembering, bringing in new energy, awakening and tapping into that frequency that we're talking about. Now, I am going to say that that is what I know to be what I, I even do call that energy of the Holy Spirit. So even in the Bible, even in Jesus said, be thankful that I am gone because after me, this new energy and everybody's going to have access to it. And it's the great comforter, you know? So here I am saying there's a frequency that's helping us to feel better, something that's more creative, you know, than in the alpha wave of human brains. These things are not separate, you know? So anybody listening to this is going to be like, okay, whether they're there or not, you know, if we can even open up, these are languages, Because as we mentioned a while ago, language matters. So these are two languages to talk about the exact same thing. There's something really incredible available on the planet right now. We are part of it. And because that was 
like wanting to be slowed, even prevented from souls awakening, like all of this darkness, like you said, things have to fall apart and collapse. Well, that's happening. But there's also a lot of good that's happening, a lot of beauty that's happening. So if we want to see beauty, then stop looking at the ugly and start making beauty, create beauty, see beauty, feel beauty, and your world will become beautiful. I'm very focused on amplifying the the love and the joy in my immediate life around me. And I feel like the more people that are doing that, like what you're suggesting, is going to make a collective impact. And that's the primary access, right? So when we when we tap into that and actually harness and say, okay, yes, the most important thing. And then we, because when we are joyful, we naturally tap into service. We see something bigger than ourselves. We begin to see the world in a different way that instead of fighting against and blaming and holding all this negativity, we actually rise ourselves up into that place of service. So when people can do that, then there's an actual impact. First, increase the love and, and the joy in your immediate surroundings and then utilize that energy to amplify your efforts to making a difference. Absolutely. And imagine what the world would be like that. Imagine what the world would be when every person took such personal responsibility. So when instead of like, this world is so broken, and then they go into this place of fighting. If every single person was to turn their 100% attention fully upon themselves, they would naturally behave in ways that were humane, compassionate, kind, generous, uplifting, peaceful. So that's what we're all meant to go into. You know, our first offense is to stop being defensive mm -hmm. and to actually just create that inside. Do something good. Do something that feels good. Help another. And it gets us out of ourselves. We got to starve the emotional parasites. Yeah. Starve <laughs> those emotional parasites by to, by paying attention to how you feel, you know, and that's where it begins. Mm -hmm. One soul at a time. So that would be the thing. When we heal ourselves, we heal the world. And that's all we got to worry about is ourselves. And again, people looking back on it be like, well, that sounds selfish. No, that means taking personal responsibility for what you're contributing into the world. That's our job, you know? That's our job. That is. And so whether people like go into this like place of awakening and like all of these lingos and languages out there, I'm like, just be a decent person. <laughs> just be a good person. If you, if you do good and see good, you know, if we're truth, you know, seek truth. And there's personal truth, but then there's, there's, there's truth, right? Be truth. And then just see beauty, truth, beauty, and goodness. Like those, those simple things. And it has absolutely nothing to do with anything else than just the quality of the being you are. Which direction am I contributing? Because we're contributing in either way. What am I contributing? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. That was good. That was deep. I love it. That's These the point. conversations that I live for because I'm like, ooh, this is delicious conversation because yes, this is this is the purpose. So I pray that it may help you and just one person and it just uplifts me. I feel good and better for it. So I'm gonna send out some good rippling vibes now too. So yes, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much, Nella. I've really appreciated it. I've enjoyed it immensely and I'm sure our, our, our paths may cross yet once more. 
Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you loved this episode, please consider leaving a review. And don't forget to share the link with somebody who can appreciate this message. Blessings to you all, and I hope to catch you on my next episode.